Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria. Well, this will be good for humility. Father Buckley in the seminary, who taught the course on homiletics, he failed me, by the way, he'll be happy to know that. He uh, always said, you have to memorize your three points. And he would always have his points memorized. He never would preach from notes, but don't tell him that I preach from notes sometimes. So, okay. So here we are. We'll see what I can do. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, we'll start with the abstract, then we'll go to the concrete, and then we'll go to the incarnation. Good. Thanks be to God. Those are the three points. Okay. Abstract, concrete, incarnation. Good. All right. So, we'll begin again now that I'm confident that I have the three points. We'll make a complete fool of myself, only a partial fool. So... Everyone wants to be free, right? Everyone wants to be free. It's kind of the theme today. Everyone desires freedom. No one wants to be a slave. If you find someone, well, it'll be a new, it'll be a new finding. So everyone wants to be free. The trick is, of course, is to go about pursuing that freedom in the right way. We'll start with a negative example. Uh, Rousseau. So once the world tried to get rid of God, then we had this enlightenment, which has some good points, points, but has some bad points too, because they thought, well, you know, we can pursue freedom once we get rid of God. So French Revolution, right? Get rid of God, kill all the bishops and priests, and then we'll be on the right road to freedom. So Rousseau famously said, it's a brilliant line, men are born free, but everywhere they are in chains. Ooh, this, is, this draws you in. Well, Rousseau stood it right on the head, didn't he? He had it completely backwards. Because men aren't born free. Men are born in chains, and it takes the Son of God to free them. So that's what we'll look at a little bit today. Point one, look at the collect today. So how are we going to attain to this freedom, the freedom of the Christian, the freedom of the sons and daughters of God? How are we going to get there? It's very concrete, but we'll start with the abstract. The collect gives you a negative and then a positive. So the collect first moves in the direction of the negative, okay? Don't be depressed. Don't say, well, the Catholic Church is always telling you what not to do. And da, da, da. No, Just hold on, hold on. We'll get to the pause. We're going to start with the negative, okay? The collect says what? Oh God, by your great mercy, etc., etc. Two things. It's beautiful in Latin. Et abstraatur anoxiis. Draw us away from harmful things. Et ad salutaria dirigatur. And to the healthful things, direct us. Okay, so there's a double motion there. 
in, this, in a certain way, is the repetition of the last two Sundays, but that's what the Divine Liturgy is doing. So don't fault the preacher. There's many faults, but don't fault me for that, okay? It's a repetition, but we'll think about it in a different way. So we first have to say no to the harmful things to us. That's a no. It's a negative. There's no way around it. Thou shalt not. In order to get to the positive. Ad salutaria dirigatur. Let us make straight. That's a beautiful Latin word. Dirigatur. That our path can be made straight. So we're on the right road to freedom. The road to freedom. That's where God wants to lead us. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. Okay, you know all that. That's the abstract. That's point one. Let's make it concrete. At point two. The epistle. St. Paul is nothing if not concrete, okay? So St. Paul sees all of that Old Testament stuff. He has it in his bones, and then it's elevated and purified by the gospel. What does he do in his epistle? It's the exact same structure. Ah, noxies. First, we have to say no. Et ad salutaria, and then we say yes. It's not necessary to go through the litany of the things in the epistle. Please do that at home. Go through it. You could have a homily on each word in the epistle, okay? So, thou shalt not what? All of the works which St. Paul says, the works of the flesh. So that's all the commandments of the Decalogue, thou shalt not. All the thou shalt nots, okay? Put them in there. That's what St. Paul is doing just in a little bit of a different way, a different repetition. So thou shalt not. Now don't run over it too quickly, okay? Because there's no ad salutaria. There are no fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, self-control. All of those things that we truly want, without which we have no human freedom. All of those things... All of those things that we want, we have to go through this forest, this wilderness, where the beasts prowl, our vices, our sins, our attachments, inordinate ones. You have to say no to those things before you get to the castle, interior castle, to change the metaphor, so there's no yes, we can't say yes, until we first say no. That's the way of things. Don't be upset with me. It's the natural law and the divine law, okay? We have to say no to the vices and concupiscences, to use St. Paul's words, before we have any freedom to say yes to God. Because if we think we're saying yes to God, when we're in the midst of the hooks, of the flesh that St. Paul mentions, all the works of sin, the yes is false. It's inauthentic, to use Kierkegaard's term. It's not a real yes. It's false. And we don't really even convince ourselves. We certainly don't convince others, and definitely not God. God will never be mocked. Okay. At the end of the epistle, there's an interesting phrase that I never understood as a child. I hope I have a little bit under, better understanding now. 
St. Paul lists those works, bad ones, and then the fruits of the Spirit, and at the end says, against these fruits of the Spirit, known as legs, there is no law. Now, I never understood that correctly, so let me, I'll just, well, you know what the, you know what the wrong understanding is. The wrong, the false interpretation of that is, as I've said these last two Sundays, well, you know, we don't really need the law. That's all like Old Testament justice, angry God stuff. We just need to be free, man, you know? Okay, and false, <clears throat> wrong, <clears throat> got voted off the island, okay? That's a false interpretation of the passage. What it means is, St. Paul is saying, once you've passed through the no, the way of purgation, the nada of St. John the Cross, I don't want to get really Spanish, once you've passed through the no, only then does the road open out, and then you can experience the freedom of the fruits of the Spirit, that freedom that we all desire, each one of us, way, way deep down where God has planted that desire. It's when you pass through that, then, then you're not thinking about the law anymore. You're not thinking so much about thou shalt not, like, oh, that's right, I'm not supposed to do X, Y, Z, or the other thing, because that, in a way, is behind. It's like the runner who's looking at the goal, as St. Paul says. He looks at the prize, the finish line. He's not learning. He doesn't keep looking over his shoulder, like, where are those guys? Are they close? Or am I... If you keep looking over your shoulder, you're not going forward very well. So that's in the past. And so we go forward. Okay, so against such, there's no law. Meaning the law is there, but you don't, you're not so much conscious of it anymore. Because the Spirit is informing it. But remember, just last week, two chapters before this, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 3, St. Paul had said, is the law somehow against the promise? And again, we could say today, is the law somehow against the fruits of the Spirit? Quod absit. No, God forbid. Okay. Third point. So that was abstract principle, concrete, now incarnation. You can't get any more concrete than the incarnation. Good. You recall, this is the Mount of the Beatitudes. The Mount of the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter Five and following, Christ sitting down in the seat of Moses, showing himself to be the true law, the true Torah. And so he gives us the Beatitudes, and then we have this passage still in the same mount. Okay? So in that context of freedom, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. That's a wonderful example, again, for the point of the homily today, think about the freedom, the freedom of that creature of God. It's a little plant, has a little plant soul, as Aristotle would say. It's perfectly free. Why? Because, to speak a bit poetically, it's always doing precisely what God created it to do. And so it's free. It's even carefree. It doesn't worry. Why? Because it's always at harmony at one with its being, if you want to use philosophical language. It's happy. It's doing what God created it to do. It's being a lily. 
and God takes care of the rest. So, well, that's what Jesus says. So, so we have it on very good authority. And the Lord uses that to say to you and to me, it's the same. So we know with a plant, well, a little bit, it's maybe a bit easier to understand a plant. We don't really understand all the way down to the ground, unless you think you found that God particle. If so, please see me after, and we'll discuss royalties. But, um, no, so we don't really understand plants. Well, human beings are a bit more complicated, <laughs> that uh, being, the human being. But it's, by analogy, it's the same. If we keep our eyes focused on God, if we truly seek first the kingdom of God and His justice. Someone's been paying attention. And His justice. Ooh. Then, then the freedom of the Christian, the freedom of the sons and daughters of God will be the reward. Not in Never Never Land, but already begun here now, and then fully in the, the parousia in paradise. God bless you and Ave Maria.